0: Uh, if you have got your Bibles tonight, I'm just going to have a quick little Bible study. If you got your Bibles, we're going to John chapter twenty-one tonight. John chapter twenty-one. I just want to share a truth with you. This Sunday night, uh, I was preaching uh, through our First Corinthians series, and uh, we encourage you to join us on Sunday nights for our uh, a healthy church. Our series on First Corinthians, and it's been amazing. And I hope you haven't been missing out on that. Uh, but while I was preparing that message. Uh, in the preparation for that message, I had flipped over to John chapter 21. I was just kind of uh, reading a couple verses I wanted to check out. And I don't know about you, every once in a while I get caught up in the Bible. And when you go to read one verse, you read the verse and you're like, wow, oh, that, that was pretty good. And then you're like, well, let me read the next verse. And so you read the next verse and you're, there, that was pretty good too. And next thing you know, I I read like the whole chapter here. And... Uh, I was supposed to be working on a different sermon in my sermon preparation, and instead, I ended up writing a whole kind of separate sermon while I was supposed to be writing a different one. And I guess you call that, you know, Baptist preacher chasing rabbits. I was out on a rabbit trail, and we're going to look at the rabbit trail tonight in John chapter 21. I believe it'll help you. The title of the message tonight, uh, and you probably saw it on the the email, What Kept Peter from Jesus? What Kept Peter from Jesus? Um, We're going to look at Peter tonight. And you could make a strong argument that at the time of Peter's life, maybe there was no one closer to Jesus than him. You could make a strong argument that that Peter had a better relationship with Christ than anyone else. Now, of course, we know that Christ had uh, the the twelve disciples, and those twelve disciples, you know, left everything. Left their families, left their jobs, left their homes, and they followed Jesus, and they gave Jesus their life. But we also know amongst those 12, uh, there was those inner three, Peter, James, and John, who who seemed to get uh, with Christ on different occasions, that the other nine were just not there. And Peter was one of those guys. And, and we're going to look at Peter tonight, and we're going to look at a guy who at one time was extremely close to Jesus, yet here in this passage... He, he's he's slipping away from him and he's far from him and I want to remind us as Christians all of us Myself included does not matter if you're the pastor of a church. It doesn't matter the, if you're the youth pastor of the church It doesn't matter if you're just a layman sitting in the pew It doesn't matter if you've been saved for 50 years or or one week. There are things in our lives That are constantly trying to keep us from Jesus We know the devil is real and we know the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That's what the Bible tells us. We understand that the devil himself doesn't want me and you close to Jesus. The devil is constantly trying to, to pull us away. Not only that, but we know our heart. The heart that beats within us, our flesh. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked above all things. Our heart is constantly, unfortunately, sometimes our heart pulls us away from the very God that we love. The devil's trying to get us away from it, from, from Jesus. Uh, our hearts sometimes are trying to pull us away from Jesus. We, we understand that sin. Sin tries to get us away from him. And I could go on a, a, a list of, of tons of different things that in our life, if we're not careful, it'll take us away from Jesus. And no one's an exception to that. doesn't matter if you've been in church your whole life. If you're not careful, something could pull you away from Jesus. doesn't matter if you've been saved for 50, 60, 70 years. Something can pull you away from Jesus. It doesn't matter for Peter. Peter's walking with him. He's following him for years. He's left everything. And yet, what happens? Something kept them from Jesus. And I want to look at this story, and I want us to try to figure out and discover what was it that kept Peter from Jesus. You got your Bible? Let's look here at the passage. John chapter 21. Look at verse number 1. The Bible says this. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. Now, this is the first time Peter has seen Christ since Peter denied Christ. You got your Bible? Let's rewind very quickly and go back to the book of Luke. We'll just look at one verse here, Luke 22, and then we'll go back to John 21. Luke 22, and look at verse number 60, if you would. The Bible says this, And Peter said, Man, I, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew, we, we understand this story where, where Jesus said, Peter, by the morning you're going to deny me three different times in a... Peter, he objected to that. He said, Jesus, no way. Maybe them, maybe the other, other 11 disciples, may, maybe your other followers, but, but not me. Peter said, I, I'll never deny you, Christ. And yet, we find that three different times he did deny him. Look at verse number 61. The Bible says, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. Jesus Christ, in that moment when that cock crew and, and Peter denied him three times... All of a sudden, we find that Jesus and Peter's eyes met. They were far away from each other, yet Peter knew, and Jesus knew what had happened, and Peter ran off. Peter, since that moment, has not seen Jesus. He's not, of course, some of the other disciples have seen him. Jesus was in the tomb for three days, he rose again, and other disciples have seen him, and other disciples have even talked to him and, and been there with him, but Peter hasn't. And that's where we come to in John chapter 21. I want you to understand this. Peter had denied Christ. Peter had done something he said he never would do. And really, all of us could agree as we read this story, it's out of character for Peter. Every time we've seen Peter in in the Gospels, usually he's defending Christ. Uh, He's the kind of guy that would stand up for Christ. He's the kind of guy when the soldiers came to take Christ away at the very beginning of all that, he had... Whack the uh, ear off. I mean, Peter was always defending Christ. He was there for Christ. He said he would never leave Christ. He would never get away from him. Yet, he denies him. And now he's not even close to Jesus. He's farther from Jesus than he's ever been. What happened? Why is that? Look at verse number 2. We find out that Peter is slipping in his life. Look at verse 2. The Bible says there were together Simon, Peter, and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. So quite a group of disciples right here. Verse number three, the Bible says this, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. I should take that as my life verse. Okay. I love that line. Peter says, I go a fishing. I've told my wife that many times, honey, I'm going fishing. And, uh, and it's always bad when, she, when you get home and she asks you, what did you catch, and you say nothing. She's like, mm, really. And, uh, but I, I love that. But for Peter, it's a little bit different. Read it again. It says, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. You could reword what he's saying to this. I'm going back to what I used to be. We understand that when Jesus found Peter, guess what he was? He was a fisherman. Peter had left his nets that day. Peter had left the boat that day. He had left all of his fishing equipment that day and said, hey, if you are the son of God, and Peter believed that. Peter said, if you are, I'm going to follow you with my life, and I don't need to be a fisherman anymore. I'm going to follow you. Jesus even told them, remember, that he wanted to make them fishers of men. And Peter left those nets behind. And Peter left that boat behind. And he left that old lifestyle behind. Yet here, he's farther from Christ than he's ever been. And what you hear him saying is, I go a-fishing, when in reality, here's what he's saying. I'm going to go back to the life that I knew before you, Jesus. I'm going to do what I used to do before I met you, Jesus. I'm going to go back to the lifestyle that I knew, the old ways. How about this? It's like Jonah. God said, Hey, Jonah, I want you to go this direction. And Jonah said, I- I'm going to go the opposite. Peter, who was with Christ and walked with Christ, something has got him to the point where he's so far from Jesus. Far enough away that he's literally saying, I'm going back to the lifestyle that I had before he called me and before I met him. Look at verse number three. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, We Also go with thee. Not only, this is a scary thought, Christian, not only was Peter going away from Christ, he was going back to his old habits, he was going back to his old ways, but not just that, he was bringing other people with him. He was pulling other people away from Christ. These other disciples, in fact, we know, had already seen Jesus, right? They had already met with him. And Peter says, hey, I'm going fishing. Who wants to come with me? Who wants me who wants to come with me as I go to my old lifestyle? Who wants to come with me as I go to my old habits? And he has enough influence and he has enough leadership skills and, and a following that these men who should be following the risen Christ, he, they go with them. They hop on the, the boat with him. And we find that Peter, as he is far away from Christ, farther than he's ever been, he's not only alone, but he's Bringing other people with him. Christian, as you live your Christian life, you better be careful that you stay close to Jesus. And can I say this? If you ever start venturing away, do not take people with you. Do not drag others into your sinfulness. Do not drag other people farther away from Jesus. Peter is not only far away himself, but he's bringing these other men of God with him and taking them the wrong direction. Look at the verse, verse 3. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. I have been there. I told you my wife could testify. I've gone out for hours fishing, and she said, Did you catch anything? And you you hang your head like a puppy dog, a sad dog, and you say, No, ma'am, I did not catch anything. These men have fished all night, grueling, grueling hard work. They're hoping for a a big catching all night nothing happens. You want to know why that is? Because God wasn't going to bless them. Christian, God's not going to bless you when you're not close to him. God's not going to bless the things that you are involved in when you're running away from him. God's not going to have his hand of blessing on me and you when we decide to go our own direction. These men that night, no doubt, thought that they were going to kill it. They were going to catch fish after fish. They were going to make a killing uh, uh, financially. And yet they go out there, and they aren't catching a thing. Guys who are experienced fishermen who know what they're doing, they don't catch anything. Because when you start going away from Jesus, Christian, God's going to not bless you for the way that you're living. They didn't catch anything that night. Look what happens, verse number four. Oh, it gets sad. Look at how far Peter has fallen. Verse 4, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. A man that they had lived with for years. A man that they had followed and heard and and seen and and been with. They had had gone through everything with Jesus. He's standing on the shore. None of them recognize him. I say, Brother T D. maybe they were far away. I don't know. I think it's interesting that the the, the wording of the verse, they knew not that it was Jesus. I think Peter, honestly, he didn't want to see Jesus. Can I be honest? I don't think he wanted to see him. They're out on the boat. They've had an awful night. They see a man walking on the shore who is Jesus and not a single one of them. Peter, specifically, don't even recognize who it is. Look at verse number Five, the Bible says, Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. We got nothing. The boat is empty. The nets, there's nothing in them. We have nothing. Christian, when you start walking away from Jesus, your life is going to feel empty and unfulfilled. Peter, no doubt, felt this more than the rest. They had fished all night, and yet the the boat was empty. There's no fish. There's nothing. We have no meat to offer, sir. We have no fish to give you. And can I say, Christian, when you start going away from Jesus, that's exactly what a Christian feels. A Christian feels empty inside. They feel unsatisfied inside of their heart. They feel unfulfilled because as a Christian, me and you know what we're supposed to do. Me and you know when we're close to God and we know when we're not. And when we start going our own direction and we start walking away from Him, all of a sudden we feel empty inside because we're not fulfilling the purpose and the plan that God has given to each and every one of us. In my own life, there's been times where I have not been close to Jesus. And can I say this? I knew it. I knew it. Maybe no one else around me knew it. Maybe mom and dad didn't know it. Maybe the pastor didn't know it. Maybe even my wife didn't know it. But when I struggle in life, can I say this? I know it, and God knows it. And when I'm not close to Him, you feel empty. You feel unsatisfied. This is what these men were going through. God's not blessing them. God's not helping them. They have no meat to share. Look at verse number 6. The Bible says, And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. The man screams from the shore. They don't, they don't even know who it is yet. They don't know it's Jesus. And, and by the way, weird to even think about the fact that they listened. Okay, We fished all night, and the dude's like, Hey, Throw it on the other side of the boat. That was your mistake. You've been fishing on the wrong side. If you understand anything about fishing, here, there, it's not a huge difference. You know, a couple of feet left or right. They said, okay, they, they throw it back on the other side of the ship. And sure enough, the Bible says, verse number uh, six, that they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. They throw it on that right side. They start trying to pull it in. All of a sudden, the net's fighting back. Okay, All of a sudden, they see the water boiling. Is it boiling? Broiling? Broiling? I don't know. The, the churning. Okay, They see the water being mixed up as there's loads and loads of fish in there. they're fighting to get that net in and there's so many fish in there. You know what happened? They were reminded of Christ's missed blessings. In that moment, just, just one moment, they throw the net on the other side and the net's filled. And they were reminded in that moment of all the blessings that they were missing out on. Christian, when you walk away from Christ, when you're far away from Christ, you are missing out. You are missing out on the blessings that God has waiting for you. Hey husband, when, when you aren't close to God, you're missing out on the blessings that God has for you and your family. Hey wife, when you aren't close to God, you're missing out on the blessings that God has for you, teenager, adult, it doesn't matter who you are, when you start walking away from Christ, you are missing out on the blessings that he has in store for you. I wonder, Christian, how many blessings have we missed? How many, how many answers to prayer have we missed? How many good things God had in store for us, but instead we walked away from him, something kept us from him, and something turned our hearts away from him, and we missed out on a blessing that we have Christian whenever you walk away from God you miss out on the blessings that he has for you look at verse number 7 this is interesting therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter it is the Lord now that's John, John the beloved the Bible calls him the, the disciple whom Jesus loved John realizes it John hears that voice okay And John sees the nets, and in his mind, you know, you ever have those light bulb moments? The the light bulb goes off in John's head. He realizes, ain't nobody we know that can do that but Jesus. Nobody we know would come and say, hey, throw the net on the other side, and all of a sudden, we get fish. John realizes in that moment, this is Jesus. And he tells Peter, Peter, it's Jesus. Look what happens. He said unto Peter, it Is the Lord. Hey, Christian, praise the Lord if you have someone in your life who points you back to Jesus. All of us need that. For some, it's a pastor. And the pastor gets up and he preaches and he preaches from God's word. And that pastor God uses to help me and you. And he points us back to Jesus. Maybe for you as a teenager it's mom and dad and your mom and dad are there when you're slipping away from God and you're going in a direction that's not wise. Praise God if you have a mom or dad to say, hey, you need to make sure you're getting back to Jesus. John looks over at Peter and says, Peter, it's Jesus. Peter didn't recognize him. Peter didn't hear the voice. Peter saw the miracle. He didn't put two and two together. But praise the Lord, he had a friend who said, hey, it's Jesus. And John pointing it to Peter, that was huge in Peter's life. Now, this is where the story gets interesting, all right? So we see Peter here. Peter is far away from Christ. He's struggling in his relationship with Jesus. He's farther than he's ever been. And now, things get weird. We'll we'll say it like that. Things get strange. At the beginning, Peter is slipping away from Jesus. Now, things just get slightly weird. Look at verse number 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved... Saith unto Peter, "It is the Lord." Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked. Now, the Bible says he was naked. It doesn't mean he actually was naked. It just means he did not have an outer garment on. Okay, uh, he did not have his coat on. He did not have his jacket on. He had the rest of his clothes. Okay, he just did not have that main jacket, that main coat. Now, that's why it says, "When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him." So he, he, he does, he's not wearing his jacket at the moment. And the Bible says he, he grabbed that jacket. And now look what he does. And he did cast himself into the sea. I often, as I read that verse, I think about the little kid who does the jackknife into the pool. You know, he plugs his nose and cannonballs or jackknives right into the pool. I I, I visualize Peter doing that. Peter realizes, hey, it's Jesus. Peter grabs his jacket. He goes to the side of the boat and he says, cannonball, and he jumps into the sea and he starts swimming. Now you say, what's the significance of Peter grabbing the coat? It's because in Bible times, in the culture of that day, it was normal And what you were supposed to do, if you were a servant and you had a master, you were not supposed to address your master if you weren't wearing your coat, if you weren't wearing your jacket. In that moment, as John says, Peter, it's Jesus. Peter realized, hey, it's Jesus. Peter Peter thinks, what do I got to do? Peter grabs his coat because he realizes that is his master on the shore. He's the servant. And if he's going to go see the master... He's got to grab his coat. He grabs the coat. He does the cannonball. And he starts swimming to that shore. He did the butterfly. Okay? He did the strokes. He probably did a little doggy paddle. That's where the TJs go to when I'm swimming. Okay? He is getting to shore as fast as he can. And it gets weird. Are you ready to see the weirdness? Look at verse number uh, 8. And the other disciples came in the little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. How rude, Peter! Peter leaves the work. You ever been there? Okay, he let the other guys get the fish. He he just went in the water. Verse number nine. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and the fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. There's something missing. There in these verses, I read this and I thought something's missing. Peter just cannonballed in the water, right? Peter just jumped in. Peter's on the shore. Has Peter said anything yet? It's awkwardly quiet. Peter gets to the shore. We have no conversation. Did Peter get to the shore and just stare at Jesus? Did Peter get to the shore and just, out of breath, maybe it was... Okay, all I know is this, there's no conversation. Peter rushes to Jesus, but when he gets to him, he doesn't have anything to say. When he gets to the shore and he gets to Jesus, he's speechless. Which is pretty funny, because guess who in the New Testament, guess which disciple is always the one known for talking? It's Peter. And Peter gets to the shore, and nothing's said. The disciples bring the boat around, the disciples bring the fish to the shore, and, and they come and they start sitting around the fire and they, they start getting ready to eat. And Peter hasn't said anything. And it seems like Jesus hasn't said anything to Peter. You ever been in an awkward silence? I wonder if that's what was going on here. Peter is staring at Jesus. Jesus may be staring at Peter. But nothing's being said. Watch what happens next. Verse number 10, Jesus saith unto them, bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Verse 11, guess who gets up to go get the fish? Jesus says, hey, can, can somebody go get the fish? Boom! Peter gets up. Boom! He takes off. He goes to grab the fish. He's the first one. No one else jumps up. No one else goes to get it. Peter says, I'll get it. Look what it says. He says, and it says, uh, bring of the fish which ye have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes and 150 and 3 and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. What I realize in this story is, first off, Peter, he, he goes crazy getting to Jesus. When he gets there, he doesn't say anything, and yet here, he's obeying. I read this and I thought, wow. Did you know, Christian, you can obey God, but still not be close to him? You can be obeying God, yet still not have a relationship with him. See, you might come to church, and that's great. That's what the Bible tells us. You're you're obeying what God says. But that doesn't mean you have a relationship with him. That doesn't mean you pray. That doesn't mean you read your Bible. That doesn't mean you even listen when you come to church. See, you can obey God, yet really not be close to him. Peter, immediately he obeys, doesn't he? But Peter knows he's not close to Jesus. And I read all that to get to this point. What is it that's making this awkward for Peter? What is it that kept him from Jesus? And I started thinking about this, and, I, and I'm like, what is it? What is, why is Peter acting strange? Why did Peter jump in the water and swim to the shore? Why did Peter, when he gets to the shore, not say anything? Why is he obeying, but he still hasn't even talked to Jesus yet? In fact, keep reading. Look what it says. Jesus saith unto them, verse 12, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? And they knew it was the Lord. Verse 13, Jesus then cometh and taketh the bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples. After that, he was risen from the dead. Peter still hasn't talked to him. There's still no relationship here. Something is keeping Peter from Jesus in the sermon tonight I believe I know what it is and it might be something that's kept you from Jesus in the past it's one word I wrote this down in my notes I believe in my heart the thing that was keeping Peter from Jesus was guilt Peter felt guilty do you blame him see he had denied Christ he had done the very thing the very thing he said he would never do The very thing that he told Jesus to his face, Jesus, I will never deny you. Yet he did. And in that moment, I think Jesus looked at him and Peter's eyes met and immediately the guilt set in. He knew he had made a mistake. He knew he had messed up. He knew he shouldn't have done that. He knew he had lied to Jesus. He had broken his promise. He knew he had let him down. And he's felt that guilt I remember as a teenager and a young person, maybe you can uh, feel familiar with this kind of story. I remember as a young person getting in trouble at school. Maybe I was at school and I got a demerit. Let me tell you, whenever I got a demerit, you know who I didn't want to see? Mom and dad. I did not want to see mom and dad because I knew I had gotten a demerit. Let me tell you, talk about awkward silences. I'd get in the car after school. Mom would say, TJ, how was your day? Uh, fine. It's okay. That's it. I'm going to leave it right there. I'm not going to say anything. I'd get home and I'd see my dad. TJ, how was your day in school? Uh, it was, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> An awkward silence. Man, and I felt that guilt. I knew I had done wrong. I knew I had messed up. And I did not want to tell mom or dad that guilty feeling. You ever been there maybe where mom and dad did find out? I remember one time I got home and I was told at school that I had an de- after-school detention. I know, you don't believe that. Okay, brother TJ, perfection. I'm just kidding, I'm not perfect. I wasn't back then. I got after-school de- detention. I remember getting in the car, mom said, how was your day? And in my mind I'm thinking, well, I found out I had after-school detention. Uh, but I didn't tell her that. I said, it was, it was, it was okay. Man, we got home and... We had a, a home phone. The teenagers don't even know what a home phone is anymore, okay? We had a home phone, and that home phone would blink, right, when you had a, a voicemail. We got in the door. My mom walked right over to that voicemail, and she hit play button. And all of a sudden, I heard, this is the secretary at State Line Christian School. We just want to inform you that your son, TJ, will have to serve in after-school detention this Thursday due to receiving so many demerits. Click. My mom looked back at me and I thought, oh no, (laughs) oh no, I am caught. And then maybe you've been there where mom said this, we'll wait till dad gets home. You ever been there? (laughs) Oh no. Hey, listen, let me tell you, you don't bring it up, do you? You don't wait for dad to come to the door and say, hey dad, let me tell you, before mom gets to you. You don't bring it up. In fact, you pray to the Lord God Almighty that mom forgets. You pray that mama forgets what happened and don't tell daddy why you feel that guilt. You feel that guilt. I think Peter felt that guilt. And because Peter felt that guilt, that guilt was keeping him away from Jesus. That guilt had driven him to go back to his old lifestyle. That guilt had driven him to miss out on the blessings of God. That guilt had driven him to be unsatisfied and unfulfilled because he knew he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. This guilt was keeping him from Jesus. I have three statements tonight, and I'll be done about guilt. I want you to catch this. If you're watching by way of live stream, don't miss this tonight. Number one, guilt will hurt your walk with God. Guilt will hurt your walk with God. I don't know about you, but sometimes, if I had to be honest with you, there's been times in my life where I did something, I made a mistake, I messed up, and I didn't want to pray afterwards. Because I knew God knew. I felt guilty. I had messed up. I've had times in my life where I knew that Bible was sitting there, and I knew it was my time to read the Bible. But I didn't want to pick it up. Because I knew and God knew that I had messed up. And I felt guilty, and I... Put the Bible off to the side. Maybe you've been there where you felt so guilty about a sin in your life that you decided, I don't even want to go to church Sunday. I feel so wicked, and I feel so guilty, and I feel so wrong, and it would be hypocritical of me to go to church. And what you're doing, Christian, you think you're helping yourself, but in reality, you're like Peter, and the guilt is taking you away from Jesus It's pulling you away from him. Christian, can I tell you, never let the guilt of your sin keep you from your relationship with God. Number two, guilt is misunderstanding God's feelings for you. Guilt is misunderstanding God's feelings for you. You read the rest of chapter 21. And can I say this? You find out that Peter loved Jesus. That's the conversation they have. Jesus keeps asking him, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter did love him. Deep down in Peter's heart, if you were to take a a knife and you were to cut open Peter's heart, you would see deep down inside that he loved Jesus with all of his heart. He did. This was not a love of God problem. He loved him with all of his heart. The problem wasn't that Peter loved Jesus. The problem was Peter didn't understand How Jesus felt about him. Peter didn't understand that Jesus wasn't mad. Do you think Peter thought Jesus was mad when they stood on the shore shore awkwardly? I wonder if these thoughts went through Peter's head. Peter thought, is Jesus mad at me? Does Jesus hate me? Could Jesus ever forgive me? Jesus He probably doesn't care about me. I denied him. Why why would he care about me if I didn't even care about him? All these thoughts, I believe, ran through Peter's mind. But Peter didn't understand that when you feel guilty, you are misunderstanding God's feelings for you. Because can I say this, Christian, as Peter stood on that shore, Jesus didn't hate Peter. In fact, Jesus loved Peter. He loved him. Just as Peter loved Jesus, Jesus loved Peter back. Jesus wasn't mad at Peter. Jesus wasn't upset with him. Jesus loved him. Understand, Christian, that when you sin and you make a mistake, God doesn't want you to be guilty. He wants to realize he still loves you. He still loves you. Can I say this? He didn't understand that Jesus would forgive him. Peter stood on that shore and he thought, can he forgive me? I don't deserve it. I haven't earned his forgiveness. He didn't understand that Jesus wanted to forgive him. Christian, when you feel guilty for your sin, you're misunderstanding God's feelings for you. And God loves you. And he wants to forgive you. And he wants that relationship to be restored. You think Jesus wanted the shore to be awkward that day? I don't think so. I don't think so. Number three, number one, guilt will hurt your walk with God if you let it. Number two, guilt is misunderstanding God's feelings for you. And lastly, guilt should never drive you away from God. But instead, should drive you to him. What's amazing about this story, it kind of did for Peter. Remember he was on the boat? And remember when he realized who it was? Pretty weird, right, to jump in the sea and swim to shore. Right, we all agree that's that's strange. Hey, it's your friend, hey, Cannonball. go am swimming there, but in reality, that's what every Christian should do. See, every Christian, when we see our Savior, even if we've made a mistake, even if we've messed up, our reaction shouldn't be, "Hey, I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go far away." I know you've seen Jesus, but I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to read my Bible. No, the opposite should be true, Christian. When you mess up and you make a mistake, you should do as Peter initially did. Jump out of the boat. Swim to him. But when you get to shore, don't let the guilt take over again. Peter's initial reaction was, i got to get to him. i got to get to my Savior. i got to make it right. I got to apologize to Jesus. I got to say, I'm sorry, Jesus. I got to say, I I didn't mean to do it. His initial reaction to jump in the water and swim to him. He was running to him, but he got to shore. And all of a sudden, I think the guilt took over again. And instead of going to Jesus and saying, I'm sorry. Going to Jesus and saying, will you forgive me? Going to Jesus and saying, "I I love you. I'm so sorry. I don't know if you could ever keep me as a servant, but I'm willing. But he got to the shore and the guilt took over. I want to give you an illustration and I'm done that I hope will help you understand this concept a little better. There was a couple and they had been married for about 15 years. And that 15th year of marriage was rough. They started having a lot of arguments. They started having a lot of disagreements. And it got to the point where this husband and this wife, they, they thought they weren't sure that they were going to be able to survive the, the marriage. They weren't sure that as a couple they were going to be able to, to get through. There was just too many problems and there. There was too many disagreements and, and too many issues. And so the wife decided, you know, we want to, I want to make this work. And the husband said, I, I do too. And they wanted to make it work. And so the wife came up with an idea. Here was her idea. She came up with what she called the fault box. The fault box. The lady made two boxes. One for her and one for her husband. And they decided that for the next month, whenever one of them would do something that the other one didn't like, they would write it down. A fault. They, they did something I didn't like. They would write it down on a piece of paper and they would go to the other person's box and they would drop it in there. And so during that next month, uh, they would get those little pieces of paper and whenever the other one would do something, The husband and wife, they would write that fault down and they'd go and they the wife would put in the husband's box and the husband would take that paper and he would put it in the wife's box. The wife, man, she was diligent. She was writing everything she found. She wrote things like leaving the jelly top off the jar. You ever been there, wives, where your husband got into the pantry and it was like a bear went through there, okay? She wrote things down like leaving the cap off the toothpaste. Who does that? You Next time you use it, you get that little crusty stuff, right? Okay, it dries out. Come on. She wrote stuff like, you left wet towels on the floor. You wrote stuff... Oh, praise the Lord. She wrote stuff like, you left dirty socks not in the hamper. You ever been there, ladies? Man, she was diligent, writing these faults down, and the husband, he was writing down, and they were filling these boxes. The end of the month came. They decided, well, let's have dinner together. And then after dinner, we'll, we'll go get each of our boxes, and together we'll go through and we'll look at these things. The husband was up first. Husband got his box, and he began to pull out those notes. He saw the, you know, the toothpaste cap was left off. He thought to himself, you know, I shouldn't have done that. He saw that, you know, he had left his socks out on the floor. He was regretful. He, he said, I, I shouldn't have done that. He saw the other ones. He saw the leaving the jelly top off the jar, and he thought, yeah, that is kind of messed up, okay? we got to keep the jelly good. You know, he, he, was, he was sorry. He felt bad. Then it was the wife's turn. The wife, of course, thinking, oh, no, what is he going to say about me? Wife began opening her box, and she pulled out the first paper and read it, and she pulled out the second paper, and she pulled out paper after paper after paper. And every note had the same thing. and It said, I... Love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Every time that husband, he saw something that maybe it hurt him or he didn't like, he would write down, I love you. I love you. I love you. Christian, sometimes that's how we feel with God. We think God is in heaven with the name of a box with my name on it. We think God is in heaven and he's writing down every mistake that TJ makes. And he's putting that paper in there saying, TJ, you messed up. TJ, you shouldn't have done that. TJ, you broke my heart again. And we feel like God in heaven has got this box full of our mistakes. I'm here to tell you tonight, Christian, he doesn't. If he had a box with my name on it, he would have these words. I love you, TJ. I forgive you, TJ. TJ, I died to pay for every mistake you would ever do. He would say, I love you, I love you, I love you. Christian, don't let the guilt of the mistakes that you've made today, the mistakes that you made yesterday, don't let the mistakes that you made 10 years ago, maybe even before you knew Christ, don't let the mistakes, don't let the guilt keep you from having a relationship with Jesus. Jesus right now in, is in heaven, and he loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. He doesn't expect you to be perfect. He wants you just trying your best to work on it. But if you were to have, if you were to have a box, wouldn't have your mistakes, because he doesn't want you to feel guilty. He wants a relationship with you. Peter, he was far from Jesus. He felt guilty. But aren't you glad that Peter eventually turned it around? He got that relationship fixed. And Christian, maybe you're here watching tonight. Maybe you feel guilty. You've messed up. Well, join the club. But you feel that guilt. Christian, right now, tonight, I'm going to pray out loud. And as I pray out loud, if there's some guilt in your heart, maybe it's a past mistake. Maybe it was years ago. I I don't know. Maybe there's something that, that makes you feel guilty, and that guilt keeps you from a relationship with God that you could have. Keeps you from being close to him like you should be. As I pray out loud, if there's some guilt in your life, would you deal with it right now? And would you get it right with God? Let's pray, and then we'll end our service tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, God, all of us at times, I believe, battle with that thing of guilt. God, in my own life, Lord, would you forgive me for the things that I do? And Lord, when that devil sits on my shoulder and tells me of how bad I am, and the devil tells me of how many mistakes I've made, God, would you remind me in those moments that Jesus, you love me and you want a relationship with me and you will forgive me. Just as a father or mother would never turn away their child, no matter how bad they are. God, we understand we're not perfect, but God, you want a relationship with us. Lord, would you forgive all of us and Lord, help us to battle this thing of guilt. Lord, we love you so much. God, we could never repay all the things you've done for us. Please bless us as we go through the rest of our week. And Lord, help us to live for you this week as we go about our day-to-day lives. We love you in your precious name. Amen. Just wanted to thank you for being a part of our service tonight. And we look forward to seeing you on Sunday, this Sunday morning. We have Sunday school at 945 here in the church building. And then at 11 o'clock, we have our parking lot service. Please don't miss it this Sunday. We'd love to see you. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your week.